You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Broadway has had a long history when it comes to the musical. The first one arriving in 1866, and it continued to grow in popularity and mature as an art form throughout the early and mid 20th century. Europe, on the other hand, took a lot longer to welcome the modern-day musical into its opera houses. And in today's episode, I'm talking with Sabine Kvenberg, an actress whose young stage career coincided with the first introduction of Broadway and West End musical theater to Germany in the 1980s. But there's a difference. There's, the security net is just bigger. And in Germany, they really see the performing arts as a vital part of society. And I think that's the main difference. Hello and welcome to another episode of Why I'll Never Make It, or Win Me for short, one of Feedspot's top 25 theater podcasts. I'm your host, Patrick Oliver-Jones, and each week I explore the realities of a career in the performing arts with fellow creatives, challenging the notion of what it really means to make it in this business. The website is whyillnevermakeit.com. There you can sign up for the monthly Win Me newsletter, as well as show your support for this podcast by donating. And in return, get access to bonus content only available to supporters. All that and more can be found at whyillnevermakeit.com. During this past year, as COVID wrecked the theater scene, ending so many shows and seasons, Andrew Lloyd Webber was doing his best to bring musicals back to the West End. I talked about this briefly with Sammy Canold back in December, as she was working with a couple of Lloyd Webber productions in South Korea. But revitalizing musical theater has been something Andrew Lloyd Webber has been doing his entire career. Because in much the same way, although for very different reasons, it was Lloyd Webber back in the 1980s who was bringing musical theater to Germany and the rest of Europe with grand spectacles like Cats. In fact, after a successful run in Vienna, Austria, Stella Entertainment premiered Cats in April of 1986 at a newly renovated opera house in Hamburg. And that production closed January 2001, after 15 years and more than 6,100 performances. To put that in context, London's production ran for 21 years and almost 9,000 performances, while Broadway's production ran for 18 years and about 7,500 performances. But no one can come close to Tokyo's production, which opened in 1983 and is still running today with more than 10,000 performances since that opening. Now, I'll go ahead and be honest with you, Cats is not one of my favorite musicals, but for some reason in the 80s, it was revitalizing musical theater around the world. It captured the imagination of both audiences and producers. 
You see that Hamburg production was the first in Germany to be produced without any public funding. And it was also the first one to run for multiple years. Up until that point, musical theater in the German-speaking part of the world was mostly an industry which consisted of repertory theater. But Katz changed all that and moved theater towards privately funded commercial productions. And the success of both the Vienna and Hamburg productions sparked a musical boom in the region. And at this same time, Sabine Kvinberg was a stage actress at the very start of her performing career. And so when Katz came along, she jumped at the chance to audition for it. And so for most of her career, music and musical theater have been at the forefront. She's recorded original music, performed in various touring productions in Europe, and also found plenty of work on screen as well. Since moving to America, though, she has taken an active role in coaching and mentoring current performers as they, too, navigate their careers, both on stage and on screen. She's also a public speaker and even has her own YouTube channel and podcast, which is actually how we met, through a podcaster's forum led by another former guest on this show, Dave Jackson. In our conversation today, Sabine recounts the lessons she has learned in front of audiences as well as in the audition room. She gives us a deeper understanding of the importance of mindset and preparation when it comes to both our professional and personal lives. It is this wealth of creative wisdom that she imparts to her students and led her to write a book, Secrets of How to Succeed in Show Business. And thankfully, she'll be sharing all of that with us today as well. Well, welcome, Sabine. It is so wonderful to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, it's a pleasure. I look forward to it, Patrick. Now, you and I actually met through another podcaster, so it, it really is such a small world, both in theater, but also in podcasting, how you can bump into people and find new connections. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I love about it. The podcast family is so small, relatively small, and you never know who you're meeting and what you have in common. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, because you and I got to talking about your career, which has been a long career that has spanned both European productions as well as here in, in America and, and the teaching and, and coaching that you've been doing. And I'm so curious, your impressions having been on both continents, what do you see as a difference, you know, things that maybe Europe could learn from us or vice versa? Well, first of all, I think Europe, or mostly Germany, really were the, the musical theater world that we know from Broadway didn't really exist. We had the opera, we had the ballet, and then operetta, which means you sing and act, maybe a little dancing, but mostly it's singing and acting. Opera is just singing, obviously. So that was how it used to be. And then to Germany came a musical theater. And then sometimes uh, people who were in operetta, they then played those classical musicals, right? But nothing modern. Everything was old, like Oklahoma or something like that, right? And so finally, there was a transition. Let's see... Oh, cats. 
that's where it actually all started. Cats was the first musical American or, you know, I mean, English speaking musical that came to Germany. Well, actually it came to Austria first. Austria was the forerunner of musical theater. And Cats was the very first one that came. And I actually auditioned for it when it came. And I was still a very young performer. I just started out. And dance is not my strong point. I'm an actress, singer, dancer. That's how I would, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, categorize. And so I just wanted to be on there. But I didn't make it. It's okay. But a few years later, Le Mis came to Vienna as well. And that's when I actually already went through all the special musical theater education that we got um, in, in Germany. But that's basically how it used to be before the musicals starting to come to Germany and to Europe. Now stick around at the end of our conversation where I'll be giving a preview of this week's Final Five episode. And in that, Sabine gives a bit more backstory on that Cats audition and what it was like years later when she got to audition for the show again. And so what would you say is the difference now between, you know, the, the European rehearsals, productions, and, and how they treat their actors, as opposed to what you've seen here in the U.S.? There's a huge difference. And first of all, in Europe and Germany, you can actually, when you go to a theater and you audition, most of the theaters give you a one or two year contract and then it will be, you know, renewed. So basically it is more of a secure position. And during that, those two years, you play different roles, which is great. And mm. some actors have their home theater for years and the audience knows them. Now with musical, it's different. Now, when after the, the, the musical swept over Europe, so to speak, <laughs> it's you are just hired for the show. So you are more of the, of the freelancer that we now know, what we know here in, in the mm -hmm. United States. However, you know, that's, it, it's interesting that you uh, said that. I have still many friends in Germany from the acting world. And when COVID hit, they were in a contract and they kept a reduced salary. And it's, it's, it's amazing. And even a friend that I just talked yesterday, she said she got a contract before COVID hit. So it was contracted. And then it was never, they couldn't start rehearsal. It was never, never performed. Right. And yeah. She, she got a reduced salary and she still has it, which right now it's of course in discussion, how much longer can we do it? Right. <laughs> yeah. But there's a difference. There's the security net is just bigger. And in, in Germany, they really see the performing arts as a vital part of society. And I think that's the main difference. 
Yeah, I was just about to ask, there must be more of a governmental support, just a, a more cultural significance of the theater that you saw in, in Germany specifically than here in the U.S. I mean, we have the National Endowment for the Arts, but it's it, it seems very, very small and very localized to, to different places. And New York certainly has theater and we're known for it. But around the rest of the country here in the U.S., it's not as vital to 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 the neighborhoods, to the communities there. Yes, absolutely right. There is support from the government to to really, uh, especially theaters. Sometimes they they need subsidized. There needs to be subsidized. But the good thing is, in order to do that, it also brings paying customers, and it engages the culture in a different way. And even when you have tourism, you know, they, they come for that reason. So to give you an example, my hometown, Hamburg, Germany, Cats was the first musical that came there after it was in, in Vienna, Austria. And uh, then came Phantom of the Opera and Starlight Express and many others. And then Lion King, that was the, mm. the biggest thing. So they actually built a theater in in the middle of uh, the harbor of Hamburg. So Hamburg has also had a big renaissance, like the harbor, it's a harbor city. But they built that theater, uh, they built many theater just for musical theater. Now, that, of course, brought tourism there. So you, you see, you, you have to, it's a fine balance with, with the performing arts big outlet. Now, Hamburg is one of the musical theater cities. Hmm. So with many different theaters played. And interesting, the, the first theater that Katz performed called Das Operettenhaus, Operetta, the Operetta House. And that's where they had Oberettas, right? That's where I played. Actually, I was part of the first, first a German musical called Auf der Reeperbahn Nachts um Halb Eins. So that, <laughs> that was um, actually a very uh, unique movie with like really uh, old actors that some you, you may know, but Anyways, so they made it into a musical. That that was kind of the the Germans to try to do some musical theater, and um, so I, I played in that. That was very very fun, and that was actually the last play that was in there before Cats uh, came in into that. And ever since they musicals after musicals, no more operetta. <laughs> and talking about subsidizing the arts and the performing arts. So the, the Germany realized that, well, we need our people, the Germans to become musical theater performers because cats, it was just Americans, American dancers, and they didn't speak uh German, so they sang, but of course you have the backup singers, the booth singers, and then we're all Germans, they were not being seen. But the more musicals came, they wanted to have uh, Germans to, to actually can speak those roles. And there was a special program that you had to audition for. 
And that was a one-year education in musical theater. And so for me, obviously, since I am a singer and I also started taking dance classes, I started that late, but I knew I needed to have that to be a triple threat. (laughs) And so I auditioned for that program and I was accepted. So there was just a small, you know, I think we were maybe 20 or 30 people that were accepted in that program. Mm. And we were paid to do that. So they took the last salary that we received and I had a good salary. And then you got maybe 80% of that. So it, it was a reduction so that you could live. And because I had to move from Hamburg to Munich, which was on the other side of Germany and live there for a year. And so did the school pay you? Was this government subsidized? How did that payment come about? Yeah, government subsidized. So Mm. it's like um, I had, um, you know, built up my unemployment benefits. So I got my unemployment benefits during that time. And I didn't have to pay for the school. The school was paid for by the government. Hmm. That's how it worked together. Interesting. So really, your, your career almost coincides with this burgeoning of musical theater and it coming to, to, to Germany, to Europe as a whole. So when you were younger then, musical theater wasn't really a thought. You, you, you wanted to act, you wanted to perform. So was there any hesitancy going into musical theater or did it just seem like, that's what I want to do? You hit the nail on the head. <laughs> that's what I want to do. When I was a kid, I was always performing. So for me, it was really a natural progression and after I was done with that whole thing, uh, then I started actually doing some TV work, but I then started playing Lucy in Your Goodman, Charlie Brown. I played uh, in Nonsense, Sister Amnesia. I, uh, oh, and then, then I wanted to play one of the big musicals that came to Vienna, Austria. And the next one was Le Miserable. So here's the thing. Uh, it's a funny story too. Um, because see, typecasting is a little bit different in Germany than it is here uh, too. Well, actually, I wanted to play Madame Thénardier. Hmm. Uh, and you, you know, because I, I really wanted to change from the young ingenue to the, the character. So I, I, I auditioned with um, Stay With Me from Into the Woods because I know that is that very powerful, you know, stay with me, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And also for, for musically, you know, it, it, it kind of makes sense. And I prepared so much. I, I, I played you, you Goodman, Charlie Brown in Hamburg. Vienna is in Austria. It's the neighboring country. So I, I took a night train overnight. I was done Sunday night. I took the night train. And on the Monday morning was the audition. And I, I had, I had uh, somebody tr- trans, uh, um, transpose the song just a little bit so that I really could belt it. And, and I had it on a tape back then we still had tapes mm-hmm. this is <laughs> oh, no, no i i remember cassette tapes believe me i know 
So I had it. I had my little uh, cassette tape player. So I went on there, and I was determined. And you know, for 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 the actors out there, later on, I you know made when I wrote my book, uh, Secrets on How to Succeed in Showbiz, because so much is the mindset and the preparation and you sheer will and preparation. I mean, you have to, you know, it's not just the mindset. You have to prepare and, and learn your skills and know your skills. So I was there, but I had everything prepared. I had that uh, composed and the tape recorder. And, oh, before I said, here's the sheet music to the piano player. And, or if you like, because it's really challenging to play. Or if you like, I have a, a tape. And he said, yeah, why don't you use the tape? Bingo. <laughs> right? I practiced with that tape, right? <laughs> I, I must laugh now. I probably wouldn't do it. But back then, I was just like fearless. I had that that um, piece of material I had, and I had a ponytail. And I took that scrunchie out and put it around and put put it around my, my, like a cape, right? Like the witch's cape. So I did that and then I just went for it. And there was just silence. And you know how it is, you know, don't call us, we call you. So, and then he said, um, uh, would you mind going upstairs with a music director and work on a song? And in my mind, I was like, yes, you know, I got my foot in the door. <laughs> and so I went upstairs and then she uh, worked with me on Madame Thénardier's song, hmm. which was really challenging, right? Wen haben wir hier? Das Fräulein Faulenz herum ist wieder mal zu fein, um ihre Arbeit zu tun. I was like, whoa, all over the place, like a spawn time, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and learned that in, in just a few minutes. So... And I remember at one point, the musical director said, well, maybe we are done. Maybe it, it doesn't work out so well. I said, no, we're not done. I want to do it one more time. Please do it one more time. So she did. And I went downstairs and I performed it. I nailed it. And then they said, thank you. But there was such a feeling of a good feeling, you know, I said, yes. And uh, well, long story short, I, I got the phone call. So it was really, really fun playing that role. <laughs> yeah, it, it really does come down to uh, a, a confidence, a belief in yourself when it, when it comes to this business. Because yes, re rejection is going to happen. And you certainly auditioned for stuff that didn't go as well. You know, yes. of course, of course. I have a story have that. about that too. So, <laughs> oh, oh, we all do. Yeah, of course. <laughs> But 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 when it comes to to this, you you had a goal, you you prepared for it, you had this vision of what you saw yourself as, and you said, no no no, let me show you what it is that I can do. Did what was <laughs> was there any trepidation in that, or was it just kind of like balls to the wall? I'm going to give you everything I got. That's basically what it was. Yeah, Be because I do, I, and. I did have another experience that, and I was younger, I was um, preparing for, I, I don't know what it was, but it was a modern musical and I didn't have any modern song. So I learned a new song. And as you very well know, Patrick, you never want to do that. You never want to go with a new song into an audition, right? <laughs> It's yeah. it's risky, yeah. I've it's, I've done it, and sometimes it works because it's the right song for the right character. But then, if you don't know it as well as you should, then ugh. Oh, exactly. And yes, and 
do you have it really prepared? Did you really prepare for it? And if I am honest with myself, I did not. And just to give the difference why one things work and one not, the mindset, the preparation, the training. So I went there and I I blinked. I forgot the words because mm-hmm. you know how it is when you put your heart in and you're acting and it's not automatic, you forget the words. So what did I hear? Thank you. So I didn't even go on. So she just let me go. And I was so mad and I was uh. blaming, blaming the director, right? Um, but that is another example for it, for someone to really see what is your mindset? What is your preparation? And take 100% responsibility for the good and the bad. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we have to realize that, yes, that there's always going to be something that happens in the room. I've, I've had great accompanists and not so great. But if you're prepared, then that won't matter as much. It's great when you have an accompanist that can follow you and really go with you as, as, as you, you know, get louder, you emote, you know, but then sometimes you have those that might miss a note or they just play their one tempo and that's it. You know, all these different things can happen in the room, but you're right. If you're prepared, if you have that mindset and you, you're very focused, then distractions like that won't upend you and, you know, send it off the rails. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. And that's what. What I teach now also with, with, with my clients, taking that experience that we have as performer and all the experience throughout the years, that confidence is really a part of, number one, preparation, skill set, number two, and number three, mindset. Mm-hmm. If you marry those three things together, then you really can work on your confidence and and the belief. If you, even if there is limiting beliefs and and that is for me, just, I really drill this and I really work with, with my clients to overcome the limiting beliefs. But at the same time, you cannot just think it. You have, there, there are certain actions that you have to take and things that you have to do in order to, to enhance your confidence. And I call it my competence, uh, confidence loop or cycle, because if you increase your competence, your confidence will grow. So yeah, yeah, as actors, performers at the beginning, you know, I was not as good, but the more I learned, and then I had my musical theater um, education at special year, and I kept up with my dance up to maybe not now anymore, but for, for many, many years, I went to classes. I, even when I was an adult, I went to a class, to a ballet class, like with children and teens. I didn't care. (laughs) Yeah. Now that takes confidence. Yes. To get in a room like that. (laughs) That is for sure. Yeah. So, so for you, you, you talk about teaching. That's something that transitioned as you came to the U.S. That was around 94 that you moved to the U.S. What was it that brought you to the U.S.? I actually, by doing the European tour of Fiddler on the Roof, I met my now husband. <laughs> and uh, we, we were just friends at that time, but we stayed in touch. And eventually we got married and he moved to Germany. And then we worked as directors traveling the world. 
But at one point we said, you know, we want to settle down. So what is the next step to do? And I know many of actors, many of the, the actors' colleagues or many that listening to, to this podcast at one point or another have to ask themselves the question, what is next? And so for us, it was we wanted to pass on the love and the passion for the performing arts to a new generation. So let's open up our own school. And let's do this in the United States because um, we we felt there was uh, a better opportunity for entrepreneurs. Hmm. That's the difference between Germany and the States. If you want to become an entrepreneur, it is easier to do it here hmm. uh, because there are more restrictions and because of the social net and, and so forth. So, um, yeah. So anyway, so we, we started here. We moved to Virginia, close to where his uh, family lived. And we started with really knowing nothing about a business, but we learned uh, fairly quickly. <laughs> and uh, me actually having a little bit of the business sense, because before I started becoming an actress, I actually got my associates in, in uh, business, which I didn't want to do. Obviously, I didn't want to be stuck in an uh, office, but that's another story for another time. And Little did I know that I really had like a natural nick of, of, of coaching and teaching. And some years into the doing this, our studio grew and exploded. I really felt in my heart, you know, I teach more than just acting, dance, and music. I teach life skills. Mm -hmm. to the children and the teenagers and adults as well. And that was very, very powerful for me. And the lives that I was able to touch in a positive way, wow. The the the, the feedback that I got, some some letters and and you know, thank you so much. You changed my life. And that was like, wow, that is powerful, Patrick. That is so powerful. And yeah, that's, that's, that was my transition. Yeah. It's so interesting that you talk about that because I've, I've had other episodes. In fact, just a, just one, a couple of months ago that was teachers that are all about, yes, the, the, the semantics, the skills, the, the actual, you know, rudimentary uh, teachings of dance, of music, of acting. But at the same time, there is life lessons. There is a, a broader sense of, of your humanity, of your personhood to learn through the arts. And I think it's so important that, especially younger kids, that they get that sense of confidence. We've talked about that, that sense of, of being able to think outside the box, of being able to see something that isn't there and yet pretend it is, create this world. You know, this imagination can, can really help a child really, really figure out who they are, what they want to be, wh what do they want to do in that world? What kind of character do they want to be? And the arts can really be a foundation for the kind of person that you grow up to be. And I'm sure that you've discovered that in your own teachings. Absolutely. And it is just so powerful. It, it really is because um, the performing arts 
is a vehicle that we can use to bring out the best in people. To give you an example, even for adults, because for, you know, I, I'm, I'm also a, a DTM, a Distinguished Toastmasters, a Toastmaster. I was um, teaching at some of the Toastmasters events my skills as an actor, and I helped Toastmasters to, to really improve their presentation skills. And one of the things, and I had a workshop, there was like the, the one person came up forward and presented his talk, his speech. And it was very low key and I couldn't see and feel the excitement. And as we know, when you have a speaker, you, you want to see the energy and excitement. So I used some of the acting techniques with, with them, right? And, you know, I can pull great things out of people. And so then I started teaching them how to use emotional memory, okay? And also physicality. And so I, I gave them like an example and all of a sudden, just, just physicality, right? So I had him run on place. I had him run on place, run, 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 and say, now say it, now say it, now say it. And he started saying it and he was so excited. And there was a thunderous applause from the, <laughs> from the room, right? So you can really help adults as well with our techniques that we've learned and that I applied many times as directors to pull out the best uh, out of performers. So, yeah. yeah, it's great. And conversely, I'm sure that you've had the students then that that, that they messed up that character or that, or that line, or and 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 then they get down on themselves. There, there's there's a lot of. Yes, we have directors, we have casting that don't don't cast us in a particular role, but then we also have our own inner voices, our own self-doubts that kind of eat away at us. What do you say to to those that that have have that weighing on them? Yeah, uh, I call it the chattering monkey voices in our heads. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to put it, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if you really understand that those voices, that voice that say, ah, oh, you're not good enough. You can't do this and whatnot. It's, it's a protective mechanism. And we don't even realize that. But it has something to do with our million-year-old brains that had that fight and flight response. And when we are in our modern world presented with a challenging situation, Okay, now think back, and I'm trying to get it as simple as I can. Challenging situations, fear, oh, there can be something we can get hurt, maybe not physically, but emotionally. And that's when those voices come in, say, run, Sabina, run, <laughs> right? <laughs> and, and so... Once you understand that, and that's the first, the first thing, awareness, you have to understand why those come. Once you do that, once you understand that, then you can counteract that. And when, when, when I work with clients, for example, so we identify that first, and then we do a positive reinforcement to, to, for them to understand, oh, that's what it is. And then we 
we look at things, how can we overcome that? And yes, there is fear, or as you well know, even for us, when we go on stage for the first time with a new role, there is this little bit stage fright within us, right? Mm -hmm. Which is a good thing. Now, if you can uh, make it very clear that, yes, a little bit of those kind of emotions are good, okay? Because it raises just enough of the good hormones that keep you up and on your toes and, and energized, but let don't let it overcome of those voices that say you're not good enough. And then you have to, again, say, why is that thought even come? I'm not good enough. And how can we overcome it? Well, for one, you can just say something like, okay, thanks up there. So I, I, I really don't need that anymore. I know that I am good enough. So just do the opposite whatever this is, right? Or, well, I'm not a good enough singer. Then I say, well, you're maybe not a good enough singer yet to do what you need to do for this. But if you stop singing, you will never get there. So just do it. And failing is a good thing because you fail forward. That's what I say. With every failure, like that bad audition that I did, well, that taught me a lesson. And now I did that over-preparation for that role that I really wanted to play. <laughs> yeah, failure and rejection can really be a catapult to be like, I don't want to do that again. So I'm going to over overdo it this time. I'm really going to be ready so that when that role comes along that that is so right for us and we know we can do it, then that confidence, that surety can come forward. Absolutely, absolutely. And as I said, you know, overcoming fear, gaining confidence. And that's why coaches come in. You know, we talked about uh, before we, we started uh, this podcast about, uh, you know, we've been really a little bit sluggish. We were not able to, to work out. And then you <laughs> shared with me that you now have a coach. And I said, yes, I need that too. We all need coaches because number one, they have the bird's eye view. They can see where you are and they can encourage you. They they give you some action steps. And it doesn't matter if it's a, a physical coach or a life coach, a confidence coach, whatever kind of coach they are out there, acting coaches, everyone needs, if they want to improve in one area, get a coach. Get a coach because you will get where you want to go faster. Now, I read a story that uh, we had talked earlier about you being a, a vocal artist a, a and you recorded some songs. I hear that all these decades later, you got to hear those recordings again. What, what was it like revisiting that younger self, that young singer again? Oh, my gosh. That was... That was so what a good surprise. So basically when, when I was a, a teenager, I, I wrote a couple of songs with my guitar and just for, to, to letting out those emotions and whatnot. And we had a group called Dimple and uh, there was my, my girlfriend and then two, two guys. So we had, it, it was a folk group. And we recorded folk music. We we played at different festivals and whatnot. And 
um, there was the, the one of the guys' brother had a recording studio. And back in those days, you had those big wheels, right? <laughs> this big equipment. <laughs> right. It's not like today, like you just press garage band and guess what? You can uh, pop it out. So anyway, so we did some of the recordings. One of them was uh, Santiano, which I recently heard one of the German bands playing and I'm looking forward to, to hearing them when I'm visiting Germany. But there was another song that I wrote when I was a teenager. So long story short, I got one time over an email and then I found you on Facebook. I think you are the one that I think you are because I have now a last, uh, different last name and I live in the States, right? <laughs> but this is Gerd. And I have a record. Remember back then, and I have a recording I would like to share with you. And I said, oh my gosh. So he sent me that recording and also with a little booklet for, for you know, all the different songs. And I listened to myself uh, 40 years later, literally. And like, wow. I, I mean, it was such a wonderful, overwhelming feeling. And then it got me thinking, you know, it is so important to do something like that, even if it's, it was never published, but to leave a legacy, even if it's for your family. And thinking back and, and listening to myself, I said, hmm, interesting. You, you, you started writing music and now I write music for, for my presentations, for my speeches, for, for inspiration and, and mm. stuff like that. So it was, it was really fun. As you were saying that, I was curious, what would you now, going back 40 years, what would you now tell yourself you know, that, that that young recording artist, that young person just writing to get some emotions out, what would you tell her now? You know, I would say, keep doing it. Because when we write songs, when we write poetry, we deal with something that we need to deal with on a different level. Because most people just eat it and it's sitting and festering inside. And when you write this, you let it out. And I, I'm working now with a young lady. She's only 15 years old. And I'm preparing her to get in front of agents and casting directors. And that's that's what I do now. Um, I also work with with talent and get them ready. And so when she told, when I asked her what what she wants to sing, she said, "Well, I I also write songs." I said, oh, do you? Yes. But she said, I, "Well, I don't know if it's good enough or whatnot." I said, "No, keep doing it because you are expressing yourself." through the art. It, it feels good to you. And you never know who maybe later on it will help. So that's what I would say to my young self too. It's like, just keep doing what you're doing and continue with improving your skills. Be a lifelong learner and, and explore 
who you really are on a deeper level. That's wonderful. Thank you so much, Savine, for joining me, for sharing these, uh, these wonderful insights. It's been a joy to talk to you. Well, it was a pleasure being here and uh, going down memory lane with you a little. <laughs> right. <laughs> to learn more about Sabine and her work in coaching and teaching performers, go to sabinekvinberg.com. Links to her website, YouTube channel, her book, and more can be found in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening to me and Sabine and our conversation today. If you know someone who you think would enjoy or benefit from an episode like this, please share why I'll never make it with them. Another important way to show your support is through donations or memberships. There are special bonus episodes available only to monthly members like the final five. I ask each guest the same five final questions, and so here's a little preview of Sabine answering question number two. All right, number two, what is a bucket list role or show that you still hope to do one day? Well, uh, actually, one of my bucket list roles came to fruition. Remember I told you in our interview that we had that I auditioned for Cats. That was the first German right. musical that came. And my dancing skills were not good enough at that point, And I didn't get it. But fast forward 30 years, and uh, I was already um, like, I would be a seasoned cat. I was one of the, would be one of the older <laughs> cats, right? But you still have to dance pretty, pretty darn good. Yeah. So I wanted to do Jenny Anydad because I'm a tap dancer. I can do that, right? <laughs> and when uh, cats finally finished their long run on Broadway and finally it was opened up for uh, theaters to to, to perform it and to uh, produce it. Believe it or not, our small dinner theater in Fredericksburg, Virginia, got the right, the first rights to, to produce it. And how funny it is. And then the teacher that we had at that time, she actually, she, she's an American, but she did the first German production in Hamburg, Germany. How about that? Uh, Oh my gosh. And then my, my husband who did a lot of choreography for that dinner theater and he, he was supposed to direct cats. So he was directing it and I still had to audition for him and the director of the theater. So mind you, right. But um, nevertheless, I, I got the role of Jenny Anidad and, but I told my husband, you know what, because they don't have to recreate the choreography, even though we did a lot of the originals. But I said, you know, that that uh, tap choreography is a little bit too easy for me. Can you spice it up a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> and he said, he did. But I tell you what, at the opening night, like, da -da 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 -da. <laughs> holy cow, I'm too old for that kind of stuff. <laughs> Right, you got to be careful what you ask for sometimes. <laughs> the full Final Five episode with Sabine comes out on Friday. To become a member and get access to this and other bonus episodes, go to join.whyillnevermakeit.com. Well, I'm your host, Patrick Oliver-Jones, in charge of writing, editing, and producing this podcast. Publicity provided by Imagine PR Group. 
The theme song for this podcast was created by yours truly, and other music in this episode is by Vortex. Why I'll Never Make It is a part of the Helium Radio Network and a member of the Broadway Makers Alliance. Join me next time with singer-songwriter Sidney Irving as we talk more about Why I'll Never Make It. Most enterprises use disparate systems to manage spend. The result? A reactive manual approach. CFOs and controllers, you deserve better. You deserve a unified spend platform from Brex. Brex makes it easy to proactively control spend with cards, spend management, travel, and bill pay in one place. You can create budgets with controls built in, track and adjust in real time to keep teams accountable, and automate compliance to close the books faster. Ready to control your spend with one unified platform? Visit Brex.com. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.